Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Ash Deneef. And I'm here with Mari Voicey-Barlin. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> what? what? Who let you in? <laughs> Snuck in, out of the shadows. <laughs> well, welcome out of the shadows. I was going to say, who cares? And I think that, I think maybe you care, because this is a subject that's very close to your heart, Ash. It is indeed. I feel... Uh... You might have heard it in the interview that I was quite excited to talk about music therapy, having absolutely no idea what it's about. I thought it was one of those kind of wave your wand and play a song and away you go, <laughs> someone feels better sorts of things. And I, that was really express. So we're talking, of course, about the wonderful Hayley Antipas. And I need to um, confess a conflict of interest because she's a dear, dear connection of mine and we speak a lot. And I think I love her work. So... I'll probably let you guys talk more, but um, I just think that she is very, she's simply articulate is what I call it because mm. she talks in really big terms, big concepts, but explains them very simply. And for someone that's, her mission is to enable staff members to use music as a therapeutic tool when she's not there, which mm. makes, that's what creatives need to think about. What happens when we're not there? She wants to leave behind the tools to enable them to use them. And I think that's a marvellous thing. So what did you take away from all this, Daniela? Um, I, I, I took away exactly what you focused on. This is someone talking about um, personal carers and giving them the skills uh, that they – that and it was so important. She said um, she's, her training helps give these people skills um, to connect through music, you mm. know, and it, and that was sort of – um, almost sort of doing herself out of a job, but not really. But it was that kind of recognition. Yeah. And I thought that picked up on what we spoke about last week. It was like, yes, when, um, when she was talking about strategies, we were talking about strategies for attracting and retaining staff, that it really had to focus on those deeper callings. Otherwise, it's not a, an aged care workforce strategy. And her whole work, is to create spaces where to use music to help people connect mm. and which is relationships one of the you know the Big key one. meaning and then the second half of that was using music to give um, carers a tool when someone's anxious or um, upset to help them um, to do their job better so the two things that research tells us um, give staff meaning to their work is what she's working on and that yeah. really that really touched me actually it's so, it's that's really powerful she she does some beautiful work and and there was something that uh, you ash picked up on that that she really jumped on which was the word vulnerability yeah mm. yeah mutual and that that yeah mutual vulnerability is what is her new term so you can you, you want to trademark that now ash <laughs> So before I ask you, as an actor with an acting background, the quality and a teacher, right? So I used to teach uh, beginner actors. So the quality I look for in an actor primarily is vulnerability. And it's so interesting. And I'd forgotten about that word till a friend called Althea reminded me of that quality. What was it about vulnerability, Ash, for you that you thought was important in the work that she talked about? When she was talking, especially about the palliative care aspects at the very acute end of life stage and... I'm not sure. It's I listened to the interview so many times as I'm editing it that I, I can't remember what makes it in and what doesn't make it in. I think it's just these spaces are so delicate and yeah. being able to be emotionally present and, and open to, 
you know, something that might be painful or might be uncomfortable, but to help people and kind of guide people through that. Like aspects of it are definitely music and what I understand of it, but some sort of bigger role there that, that's more human than it is practitioner, I think. Spiritual. Hmm, spiritual. Mm. Danielle, you're you're a musician too, so you would you would grasp this and you would see this would have seen this in your work on the front line. Like, oh, definitely, and I'd love to. I know you've got amazing stories about that, but her her uh, ash picking up on vulnerability reminded me of your um, your passion for curiosity because mm. I think those two things are very linked, mm. in my opinion. Anyway, yeah, no, I, agree. I think that. That you talking about entering a space or a relationship or a one-on-one with a sense of cur- of really genuine curiosity about well, what's going to happen here is exactly the opposite of entering a space like that with judgment and entering it as an expert mm. who knows everything. And when you're not the expert who knows everything... That's vulnerability. Yeah, when you're open to what emerges. So I saw a real link between um, what they were speaking, Ash and Haley were speaking about in terms of vulnerability and your curiosity. I think both of them. I think you have to have curiosity to be vulnerable. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you come in thinking you know it yeah. all, or you know how to manage this person. Or so I, I that stuck with me. Curiosity. Vulnerability and relationship. Yeah. She talked about that relationship, yeah, and, and you can't do any of this without relationship. And I guess the key to relationship is when you let let your walls down. You said it just then, as these spaces are so delicate, and I think Haley seems to be able to walk that beautiful, fine, and delicate line. Mm. Can I can I jump in here? To totally agree with you, but I wanted to highlight something that people who are listening wouldn't be able to see. But whenever you say the word relationship. Murray gets a warm fuzzy on. He you can see he can see his shoulders go up. He's like, oh, it's just that's what we're all about here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, real relationship is you can't do any of this delicate work without relationship, and that's what I really loved about Hayley. And when I talk to Haley because we do speak, I get that sense from her immediately. I can I share a quote with you because I pulled a quote out. From alive inside, because we talk about the power of music and we go on about the power of music, and I wonder if some people doubt the, you know, the power of. I mean, people see it, but Oliver Sacks, the brilliant Oliver Sacks, who did great work um, in neuroscience, said that music imprints itself on the brain deeper than any other human experience. So. Music has that capacity because, and he also talks, as Haley did, that enlivens more parts of the brain than any other form. And it's because it's attached to so many different things. You're a musician too, Daniela. What, what is your take on how music embeds itself in us? I, I love your quote. Yeah, I do. I loved her quote too. Um, and I wrote that down. I'm just trying to find it. It was protected musical memory. Oh, yes. Mm. She she used that phrase and I was I was like, Oh wow. But I loved how when she was speaking about music, she spoke about it for all of us. I think that's her I think that's what works. She she was talking about, you know, how people ex- sometimes ex- ex- expect these big moments of connection or these big moments, but she said all of us will wake up in the morning and that sometimes that inspirational music gets us going other days it's just annoying (laughs) you know and of course it's gonna be like 
it, it was just her whole approach to yes she's talking about music therapy in aged care but she kept she kept bringing it back to all of us if you notice mm. we're all human and some of some days music works for us other days it makes us depressed other days it validates us older people and people with dementia are us so why wouldn't they experience the same things i loved how Every time she spoke about music, whether it was with heart rate or breathing, mm. it was just all about what happens to humans. Yeah. Mm. Not not just one group of humans or so I, I think music is a mystery to me. There's some and I for the first time I really understood like when you're feeling down and you play a particular song, you're right, you ruminate in it. You know, you break up with mm. someone, especially when you're younger, and you play that breakup <laughs> song. And, you know, and then play it again, put it, it on and, again, <laughs> repeat. It's it's like small children who can see the same wiggles things thirty <laughs> times. You know, it's no different. Wow, we're talking but, about Hayley Antipas, music therapist, and the wiggles in the same conversation. And I know one of the wiggles, so just be very careful what we say. <laughs> there is nothing wrong I know, with the wiggles, I love but them. but the same thing. I got it, and it was. It's, but other times you hear that music, and it's like, no, I don't want to go back there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be transported to that moment. So. I loved how she made it all universal. Ash, you've mm. got to have skin in the game on this one. What, it, like <laughs> musical memories, how they flood back, how it taps into emotion, dancing yeah. to that tune, the breakup tune. I want to. <laughs> the breakup tune, yeah. I know what you mean, though. When you know you're skipping through something and the the song comes on, you're like, oh no, wrong yeah. wrong vibe. No, please get me out of here really quick. <laughs> Let's You've get to something else. <laughs> Love don't live here anymore. Oh, we'll have to pay royalties for that, <laughs> won't we? Sorry. You know, just quickly, a story about how things can tra- and you know, this Haley's talking about a couple of things here. She's talking about individualized music, but she's also talking about making music. But I wanted to step back and talk yeah. about just individualized music of meaning. It's ridiculous, but there is a song called Bar- uh, uh, Dancing on a Saturday Night by Barry Blue, and it's not a song that I particularly like. But at the time, as a kid, as a young boy, I loved it. Now, when I hear Dancing on a Saturday Night, my memory goes straight back to Leichhardt Pool. And I looked up and sitting across on the other side of the pool was Michelle McIntosh, who I used to sit next to at primary school. You remember her last name. (laughs) And I saw her in a white bikini and she looked like a woman. And I instantly fell in love with her. And to this day, I still do love her. That moment and and the smell of the chlorine of the pool that we used to hang out in and the chips that we used to buy, that song brings back that memory to me so clearly. And even though I don't like the song particularly, I think of it straight away. And, yes, I do remember a full name. So music is very, very powerful. But the making of music, because this is something you guys do. Oh, you do as well, Moz. Well, I do. I do. I make other people, I, I, I interpret other people's music, but, but Hayley was talking about composing works with people as a therapeutic tool. Mm. Now, I'm not a composer. I just wondered what you guys thought of that. Yeah, I mean... Making music together. I haven't ever done anything like that in an aged care setting. I've done that in schools before, and I've run workshops with groups of students where, actually, I'm just this new teaching job I'm doing, it's the focus is kind of on getting them to write things together and, and making it okay to express things. So I can definitely mm-hmm. see the, the parallel there. 
what I, what I like to do, which I don't know if any music therapists out there have done or if you guys have done, is just putting a completely new instrument in someone's hands and saying, <gasps> what do you reckon? How does it feel? Give it a go. Do you like it? And then getting, if there's a crowd, you know, you get them to clap and, oh, that was great, just to kind of encourage that. But I wonder if that happens at all in aged care settings that you give someone something they haven't done before at all, like a musical instrument, and just say, give it a whirl. A djembe. Djembe, that's it. Yeah, well, there's there's a number of people up here that work. There's there's a, a guy that does some beautiful work. He's a percussionist, and he he's not a music therapist, but I've seen him work, and I was really in awe of the people that he was able to bring out to play. He would he'd do that. He would plonk an instrument, say, which one do you mm. want? You know, they'd pick a maraca, but sometimes they'd pick a clicker, and he had all these weird and wonderful things. And a djembe was one of the things he had, Daniela, that you mentioned. And and people would just be bashing them. And there would be sometimes just a bunch of noise. But the looks beaming out of their beautiful faces, mm. you, you can just see making noise sometimes was but the there's thing. there's that communal aspect. Yeah. So when in your time on the floor, Daniela, what, what sort of music experiences did you see coming into the homes? Like what, what sort of things do you think worked well and what do you think didn't work so well? I think it's really important to separate, okay, we've got this amazing group coming in, this band coming in or small band coming in to perform. And people love to hear performances, So, you, mm. but that's how you, you pitch it. We're, we're going to go to a concert. Um, and often those concerts, concerts did involve people, you know, okay, we're all going to sing together now, sing along if you want. And then there were um, moments where uh, a lone guitarist would come through and visit different people who couldn't come out to the concert or and just sit with them and play and things like that. But just my own experience using music was often just walking along with people, you know, um, mm. and singing and um, and and exactly as she said, how amazing it is to have someone who doesn't use words or uses them very seldomly in speech sing uh, sing a song with you. There was one woman I remember. Uh, you remember that? As long as there's the two of us, mm-hmm. we got the world and all its charms. And then she started singing the harmony to that. Mm. Beautiful. Wow. And I sing with my sister, and my sister Samantha is the most amazing harmony singer. And I felt like I was singing with her. So that yeah. was, those moments are, are really, really powerful, I think. That's a beautiful moment to think, like, because this is the thing is what I'm looking for in, in the work that I do. I'm trying to get it to a place where people extend either what I'm doing or what's happening in the space. And that. You know, when someone harmonizes, you know, that is an extension. And it's that such is, a skill. And it is a skill. And it's a and it's a retained skill. Those skills are there, you know, musically protected. Yeah, memory. I love that. Um, you know, coming back to that term that you like. And and it's interesting, you know, coming back to your point about profound responses, we we, we do expect those and, and, and for me, I, I, I like and I, I I could see this in Haley and I'm glad she talked about it, was that we also need to honor the the responses that seem to us minimal that seem passive because we don't really we don't really know what that means but sometimes that's what the level that a person is capable of expressing and we need to honor those 
those minimal moments too. A They're thousand important. percent. A, a, yeah. a slight smile, uh, and, and looking in the direction of where the music's coming from. This is how this these humans express joining in on something and mm. and and just help, it's really about helping everyone else learn in the space of music to understand and to notice those small expressions. You know, if a family who want mum to sing along with a song like mm. she used to, well, mum now is singing along through looking up at you, through that smile. That's who mum is connection. now. Yeah, mm. that's reaction. That's response. And and I, I work. There's a few. There's a person that I work that is very beautiful at, at acknowledging this. A lifestyle buddy of mine, Catherine, and she. We used to work with a woman who. Uh, no longer communicated verbally at all, n not even sounds any longer, and it was all through the eyes. And I played Raindrops Keep Falling. I was fishing around for a song. You know, I couldn't find the song. And one day I played Raindrops Keep Falling on my head, which I can't sing. I'm a terrible singer. And 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 Catherine noted all the responses and it always, you know, honoured all the sm slightest responses and told the family. Morris Moz came in and... And then she did this and she did that. And when Catherine said, did you enjoy that? Um, spoke her name. She squeezed her hand mm. and then she nodded. And that was, that, that, that validated all of the experiences that we'd had prior. Yeah, yeah. And when Hayley talked about honouring that the small, the small stuff, I think that was a really good point. And it was important for me as an engagement specialist to hear that because sometimes people go, oh, yeah, they don't. You know that whole thing of they don't really respond. Oh yeah, well we didn't get much out of that. You're like, Are you joking? They 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 were looking at me directly, sustained eye contact for the whole session. What are you talking about? That's powerful because <laughs> anyway. if the carers notice those mm. small moments of connection and expression and how they happen, they're going to be more alert to them in just day to day practice, which is, you know, yeah incredibly powerful but i loved that, that she said something about being in the moment she said that that the purpose was um to orientate people so that they could be with us in this moment so we could just mm. be present together mm. that was but what struck me there is in aged care or in clinical institutional settings that word orient a person is mm. used totally differently. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's used like yeah. put a clock in their room, keep forcing them to know the day of the <laughs> it's week. It's Monday. Rather than orienting them to the now so we can connect deeply. Mm. Yeah. Do you know, that oh, doesn't wow. sound that dissimilar to performing for people either in that you're just trying to bring people into that moment to share it with exactly. you and with everyone else. And you as the artist, Ash, have to we be sensitive <laughs> to well if you imagine you're performing and, and the crowd you're losing the crowd yeah you know you've got to think right i'm not connecting what what song will i do next you summer know. of 69 it always uh, works or video killed the radio star there we go oh. there we go oh my god <laughs> yeah, i was going to ask about that when like the little signs and, and little indications that somebody's appreciative or is engaging you must see that when for example you're just delivering food or you're you're doing some sort of more clinical care or practical care if you're looking for it are those things there or is there something that about music that brings out different responses 
Wow, that's a, such a good question. They're there, I think. Um, yeah. Music makes it a shared experience as opposed to giving someone food or, or, or doing something for them. Um, mm. They're definitely there. But if staff are trained that, um, you know, dementia means the person is slipping away or they're trained to um, only honour the choices they made pre that person's diagnosis, then it's very hard for staff to be present and to witness those expressions as having any meaning mm. because they're told, no, that's just dementia. You know, those people don't know what they're doing or saying. You know, that's just a behaviour. So they, they they view these things pathologically rather than humanly. Experientially. Mm. You know, in, in the, how long has it been now? Almost two years? Yeah, almost two years of doing the mm. podcast. I think that I started with this this idea that when somebody is diagnosed with dementia or starts exhibiting symptoms of dementia, it's like that the person leaves the body and then dementia yeah, comes right. in and inhabits it. But having all these conversations... It's really great to be reminded and, and over and over that it's still the person. The, the communication style might be different. It might be hard to access what you identify as the person, but they are still there. I think you, that what you identify as the person is the same as seeing a friend in a few years. You also have to honour who the person's becoming. Mm. Remembering mm. that dementia is the leading cause of death of women in Australia and the second leading cause of death. Um, of, of all humans here, um, we, we're really going to have to rethink how we think about dementia because it's part of our humanity now. You know, mm. it, it, it just is. And we're all human. And we're all touched by it. Like I don't know anybody that hasn't been touched by it. And, and it's such a great, a great point, honouring the person that is now. So, so when you're equipped and have knowledge about former interests and what the person was into and when you can plug that into where they are now and when you can plug that in to finding a way to communicate with them and work with them and share with them on equal terms that that feeling is immensely beautiful I cannot describe I know we've all had it but I cannot describe it and Haley, you know really reminded me of so many things and and just talking quickly about communication, if, if you don't mind indulging me, I worked with a gentleman many years ago, and I'll use his name, his wife would be happy with that, Hilton, who, who had a very significant head injury, and he, he was quite confronting visually to, to look at. He, his head injury was, was very obvious, and he no longer spoke. And I was told he didn't communicate by a member of staff. Now, not all members of staff, but a member. And she didn't want me to, to work with him. And I was working with a physio, a lovely Irish physio, and we figured out that Hilton had two ways of communicating. Well, not two ways. He used his eyes. So if I asked him a question, because he was a, he was African, so I used to take in Australia rugby union jerseys and go, look, it's the same colour, just go for Australia. <laughs> and, and, and he smiled once and we went, there he is. And anyway, I figured, we figured out between us that if we said, we asked Hilton a question, if the answer was no, he didn't do anything. But if the answer was yes, he would go like this. He would blink slowly, very clearly. And from that, I worked out that his favourite band was The Beatles and that his favourite song was All My Loving. And we rang his wife to ask a few questions. I worked out a whole bunch of things. And we were on the money. We nine out of ten questions we got uh -huh. right mm. purely by figuring out how he communicated 
and then we took it back to the staff. Because <laughs> you were show. curious. Yes. And you didn't come in with judgment. Like, even when people said to you, oh, he can't, doesn't know any difference, he can't communicate, you went in there without any judgments about any of these labels he'd been given and you were genuinely curious and, and I wonder how I could communicate. I wonder how, mm. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that might express. That's what curiosity, that's how powerful it is. It's such a powerful part. And that, so that, you know, putting everything that Hayley talked about, you know, it rang so many bells for me. You know, it just was going off because she has all those, I, I, you know, and you can hear it, you can feel it when she speaks. She's got that vulnerability, the curiosity, yeah. the, and she's uh, so articulate. And so anyway, I love her work. I, I, I need to stop glowing about her, don't I? No, no, it, she was amazing. I'd love to go and, and do a session. I was thinking if I come up to come up to Newcastle, Moz, or if I'm in Perth, mm-hmm. I can chat to Haley. But to talk to talk to someone and go in and, and kind of see some of these sessions going on and, and feel what it's like because I, I don't know what it, I don't have a frame of reference for how it might feel in that environment. Fantastic. It's, you're welcome. You know, if you don't come you, without got, your guitar, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's participating. Bring a uke. They're smaller. <laughs> don't bring that cello in the background. That 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 double. Is that a double it's bass? A double bass. Yeah. It's not not very portable though. I won't bring that to Newcastle. Don't worry. And if you do come to Newcastle, the way it works is is you come in and I say this is my boss. There's been reports that I haven't <laughs> been funny enough and my singing's terrible. <laughs> and you have a clipboard and you join in and you're part of the action. So it's achievable if you want to come on a session. Perfect. That's fantastic. And then the residents would stick up for you. Well, not always. <laughs> yeah, because I encourage yeah. mutual mischief, see, and that gets me, brings me undone all the time. And you know what? If I'm the full guy, I don't mind as long as I'm getting a bit of attention. <laughs> <laughs> Love the honesty. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, for, um, thanks for letting me crash, guys. Oh, it was fantastic. Ash, we're so glad that you joined us today. Absolutely. We're very happy. It's a pleasure to be on the inside. I feel like I'm <laughs> wow. in the inner sanctum of, of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because you care. It is because I care and you guys care. And we care that you care. Oh, it's beautiful. Caring all around. <laughs> Listen, you guys have a fantastic week. I care about my garden. I'm going out there and I care about the week and I care that you have a great week. Ditto. Thanks, guys. 